Hey friends, welcome to another Wednesday episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm really happy to be here with you today. We have a great show in store, but before we get started in our conversation with Heather, I want to talk to you about one of our partners, Crew. You guys know reading the Bible is so important to me. If you've been following me on Instagram, you know I read through the Gospels every month last year. But imagine for a second that you couldn't get a Bible, that you couldn't hop on Amazon and get one sent to your house or even afford one. Take it one step further and imagine that you aren't even allowed to have one. Honestly, sometimes we forget there are people, lots of people around the world who simply can't get a Bible. That's why we're thrilled. I mean, like, so thrilled, y'all, to partner with Crew. Crew is one of the largest evangelical organizations with over 25,000 missionaries in almost every country. Crew is giving Bibles around the world to people in their own heart language and sharing the hope of Jesus. But here's where they need your help. For only $21 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. And when you sign up to provide three Bibles with the monthly gift of $21 as a thank you, Crew will also provide meals to five hungry families through their humanitarian aid ministry, and you'll receive a promo code for 10% off the That Sounds Fun store. Simply text FUN to 71326 to help today. Imagine just how much this gift could change someone's life. So text FUN to 71326. That's F-U-N to 71326 to help now or visit give.crew.org slash fun. Our guest today is my friend Heather Thompson Day. She's an associate professor of communication at Colorado Christian University and an interdenominational speaker and contributor for religion news services, Newsweek and the Barna Group. Her new book came out this week. It's called It's Not Your Turn, What to Do While You're Waiting for Your Breakthrough. I was fortunate enough to write the foreword for this book, so I promise you I think you'll enjoy it or I wouldn't have written the foreword. So here's my conversation with my friend, author of It's Not Your Turn, Heather Thompson Day. Okay, Heather, welcome to That Sounds Fun. I'm here. I'm excited. Girl, I'm so excited. This has been like... I've been ready for this. I've been ready for this conversation. Will you back me up? Here's what I don't know. I know when our friendship started, I don't know when you started writing. That's a great question. So, I mean, the answer is that I've been writing since I was a child, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? But I've been publishing for the last 10 years, seven to 10 years, which is kind of the beauty of the book, right? Because the entire point is that I had, I thought it was my turn and it wasn't over and over and over again. What were you publishing? Were you publishing traditional books like this or were you publishing? Traditional books, but with a really small house. Yeah. Okay. So how many do you have out already? This is, it's not your turn is my seventh book. Sister. And it's God's perfect number. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. I actually, the numbers really do something for you because numbers with God really do something for me. Okay, this is a thing for me, Anna. <gasps> oh, let's I, go. I Dear research, everybody, we're about to get so prophetic up in here. <laughs> I am really into biblical numerology. Me too. And I research a lot about like the symbols of numbers. So I, in my Bible, every I read my Bible cover to cover every year. And I like to write down dates. That way, as I go through, I can say, yes. okay, well, this, I just did it today. Um, Something's coming up for me on July 4. And I'm like, okay, well, this is three years. And we know that three is a time of completion, right? So like, there's all these things. I I will mark things on the calendar. 40 days, a time of testing oh, up Heather. my faith. <laughs> I live this is by normal, 40s. Heather. I live yeah. by 40s. I, God does them to me all the time. No, there's something to it. I think God keeps anniversaries with us that we have no idea we're even keeping. And so I tell people this, watch your calendar because there is something because you see it in the Bible all the time. 
Oh, I need you to know that this morning in my journal, I was like, January 9th, this happened. March 9th, this happened. June 8th, this happened. And those three dates really matter. Like, and God was not playing. He was not playing. I said to a friend last weekend, I think God wants me to see as many Easter eggs in my life as I want to see. Right. It's right. up to so me. You keep track and it helps the story and it helps uh, me as I'm explaining yeah. it to other people. And it helps me as I live through it because what feels like forever isn't. Yes. Shocker. Yes. Right. It's often not forever. We're talking about three years, five years. And in, in my case, actually, when I was writing this book, it was about seven years and I keep track of those things. Yes. It's seven years. And I'm like, that's okay. Seven years of famine, and I'm, I'm hoping for seven years of plenty, and we'll see what happens. Yes, girl. Okay, how do we, for our friends listening, how do we get into these Easter eggs from God? How do we get into, biblical numerology sounds really big to me. I'd like to just say, I like paying attention to the dates and the numbers, and how do we get into it and not get weird? For me, I'm, I've just learned to be okay being the creepy Christian because that is, for whatever reason, what I've become. But so Beth Moore said this thing on Twitter recently that I said, <gasps> that was so convicting. And she was just saying how it's so important that her, in her whole ministry and her career, she has always taken time after a big moment, whether of rejection and pain or excitement and gratitude to go by herself and reflect and to like, honor that moment and to write yeah, it down and to yeah. put the date so she remembers it. Right. And so th those things, right? Taking time after the call, either bad or good, to go right down and process your feelings and knowing that I can come back to this later and I, I can remember and relive how I felt in this moment. And I just think it's so important to be able to share. I'm really big into stories too. I did my entire dissertation on storytelling and how it affects the brain. Sharing stories with other people and we do that better when we really keep track of them. And to me, a lot of it is... I want to pay attention in the middle, not just in the end, With especially with where I go like, there is something, because even those three dates I just told you, this isn't the end, this is the middle, but I'm starting to notice a pattern. And with me and God, when there is a pattern, it's the way I see seasons. I think without him opening my eyes to 40 days worth of something or seven years worth of something, or that this, I'm 40, this is my 40th year, this is when ah. technically... I leave the desert and I'm like stoked for my Jubilee year. You know, like I'm like, yeah, we're doing all this. We're doing all this. And I, I just feel like there's a, the invitation is to a depth of friendship with God for me. Does that feel true for you? That may not be true for everybody, but for me, it's, it's deepened the friendship side with me and God. I think what it's done for me is just help me trust that there's a plan you just said the number 40, Jesus goes into the desert for 40 days. And when he was, and he's tempted by the devil, right? Three times in the desert. And I think what people often don't realize is in those temptings, he's actually responding with the verses that the Israelites should have responded to in their 40 years of wandering. Wow. So when I pay attention to these deep, so essentially what happens by the way, is so where man fails, Christ redeems. And then he starts Where his ministry. Where man fails, Christ redeems. And that wow. changes everything for me because it just yeah. reminds me that God is incredibly intentional, incredibly symbolic. So there's no oops. Yeah, there's He's no oops. He's in this with me, right? And I can trust, I just, I tweeted this last night because I've been trying to pray it to myself because I'm in a season right now of just, where are you? What's happening? And I just keep saying to God, take my tiny brain and my tiny hands and my tiny heart and my tiny mouth and help them all to trust you, right? Because he knows what he's doing. Here you are at book launch, and here we are dying over how much we love numbers in the Bible. 
And yet you're like, I'm in a hard season. So here's what I've discovered. Unfortunately, we don't graduate <laughs> from hard say seasons. Say it. Say it. We don't. I genuinely at some point tricked myself, I think, in the last couple of years in believing that we did. I just kind of thought, oh, I'm done with that. I'm done with doubt. I'm done with feeling like, where are you, God? Because I know he's here. And I've entered a season, somebody I love very much is sick, terminally ill. And so I've just been in a season of, where are you? And what's the plan? And what's happening? And it feels like you're not paying attention to the things that I'm praying to you right now. And I have to remind myself that what he doesn't take us around, he takes us through. And here's, here's what I say to my students. I'm a professor of communication. And I say to my students all the time, because they'll come in my office and they'll say, Dr. Day, you don't understand. I prayed and I cried and I tried and I don't feel anything. And I say, sweetie, it doesn't matter if you feel it. It doesn't matter. And so that's what I'm saying to myself, Heather. It doesn't matter if you feel it. Yes. And if all the devil has to do to get us to quit is hurt our feelings, we'll always quit. Listen, did, are you just quote factory today? If all the <laughs> devil has to do. Listen, you're right. You're so right. On tour last weekend, we do a Q&A thing for the VIPs. And one of the girls asked, what have you learned during tour? And I said, I learned that God has actually always been listening. I mean, I think I knew that uh, cerebrally, but I've had some experiences on tour that have said to me like, do you remember that you prayed that one little thing that you wrote down that you put the date on and suddenly God is answering that and he's always been listening. It's like he's good or something. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Right. And it's it, when you don't feel it. Yeah. We just have to keep saying God has always been listening. God hasn't missed a single thing I prayed. It's important for people to hear you say that because I just think that we have this idea that when I get to where I think I'm going, I'm always going to feel it. And the reality is we don't. You don't graduate. And so you just keep kind of going through this cycle of I'm trying to become the person that God wants me to be and surrender my heart to him. And it's, yeah, it's not easy. Your Twitter account is one of my very favorite follows. That's how we became friends was via Twitter. What is it like out there in the wild streets of Twitter? How do you, I feel like you do a couple of things. You, and, you talk back and forth with a lot of people. You set people up and they end up falling in love with each other and you get yelled at. That's kind of what I see happen over and over. What's it like for you? What does it feel like? You know, I actually, so I teach social media and I know that there's a lot, I talk about this in the book. There's a lot of negative things with social media. I get that. I'm a kind of a positive half glass full person though. I love, I, I am the friend that you want to call when it just seems like there's no way. And I'm like, no, I'm going to believe it for you. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I see positives in Twitter and, and you've mentioned some of them. I have made some really important relationships there and some really positive community. And I've seen in my students who often they'll go through these seasons in their faith where they just feel like I'm the only one who thinks this thing or I'm the only person that sees God this way. And then you find out that there's like thousands of people. Right, right that see it the way you see it. And there's just strength in numbers. So I've found it to be a really healthy place. I have tried to stop matchmaking. I have this Twitter matchmaking thing. Why? Well, here's what. I had people messaging me apparently, but obviously I can't see all my notifications. Oh, sure. No. So they thought, I got a few messages in the same day, which I just took to be, I'm weird and creepy Christian. I just took to be symbol. God. We are cut <laughs> from the same cloth. We are cut from the same cloth. I got a couple messages in the same day of people saying, you know, I hurt my feelings. I've met, tweeted you a few times asking you to share my profile and you didn't. And then I felt really bad because I'm like, oh, people are 
putting themselves out there and they think that I am intentionally ignoring yeah. their posts. And I just didn't want that anymore. So now my rule is if I don't know you personally, I don't share it. Okay. Okay. That's smart. In my Instagram, I say, I don't look at my DMs because I can't keep up with those. And then I got really yelled at twice in one day. I was paying attention of people going, I sent you this thing and you didn't respond. And I wasn't clear that that's not a place to reach out to me. And so I had a similar experience, but, and I bet it would be really hard for people thinking they're reaching out to you and want to be set up and you had selectively chosen not to do it. Exactly. And some people were mad at me and were like, you know, they need to get over it. They're being sensitive. And I'm like, no, I get it. I understand. It takes a lot of courage to say, I'm going to put myself out there and all the self-talk that they probably went through. And then for me to ignore that. So they perceive, I just don't want any part of ever breaking down somebody who's trying to be bold. So Oh, that's beautiful. What about people yelling at you? How's that going for you? Yeah. So I get, you know, my husband just got a letter with three of my tweets printed out that was sent to his church with all of these things about me. I've gotten things sent to my office. I work at Colorado Christian University. They sent me a mug that said, I'm so woke. (gasps) I get things all the time. I, I don't. Yeah, I know. So I turned off my Twitter DMs. So like you don't check your Instagram. I don't check Twitter DMs anymore because it's proven to be, and there's wonderful things there too, I'm sure, but that's where (laughs) people will. I'm sure, but no. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't want to lose my peace and I will over somebody I don't even know, you know what I mean? Who's probably like just angry and bitter or whatever and taking it out on me. And I don't see that in my mind. This is like the most smart, intelligent, wonderful person. And I've done something horrible. So I just try to stay away from it. What makes you not just quit Twitter? Like, why don't you just walk away from the whole thing? What, what's the call there? Annie, I love Twitter. I, I, <laughs> I, I'm a words I do person. I do too. For, I'm a words person. So I love seeing people stop. I mean, Twitter has given me Bernice King. Yeah, Twitter me too. has given me, me Beth Moore. I have gotten so much. It's giving richness. us each other. It's given us. Can we tell that story? Um, if you want to. That is, again, one of the things in my life where I say, wait, God sees me and he hears me because I put out this tweet, people. And I was kind of joking. I was just like, hey, I'm not going to because my my um, publisher was saying time to get people to endorse your book. And I was like, I'm not going to go groveling around to blue checkmark people. We're going to do this grassroots or not at all. Right. And I was kind of joking. And then you mess. I woke and I have just so you know, I don't even know if I did I tell you this, that I have been listening to you for years. No, I have sent your so this it, it wasn't just that Annie Downs messaged me, which you did. You messaged me and you said, hey, I'd like to get like have a conversation and look at your book, which was just mind blowing in and of itself. But it wasn't just that it was you. It was that it was you. Somebody who has encouraged me in my own seasons and who somebody, one of my friends is doing, she's turning 30. And so she's doing like 30 things that she's learned by 30. And one of them was sharing your podcast. And she said, which Heather Thompson Day introduced me to like three years oh, ago. Oh, thanks. Oh my so gosh. So do you see our God out here? Like just making me believe in myself. Yes, He's so yes, good through yes. you. So thank you for your faithfulness. Well, of course I really, well, that tweet really stood out to me because I think I just started following you a few months before that. And I thought, no, I don't, I don't want her to feel this pressure. And so I was like, let's get on a Zoom right now. <laughs> let's be friends. Yeah. And it's, that's such a gift. Hey friends, just taking a short break from this conversation to give a shout out to our amazing partner, Literati. 
If you've always said you wanted to read more, this summer is yours for the taking. Empower your inner reader with the Literati Book Clubs, where you can read alongside some of the world's most inspiring authors and leaders. Join Malala or Steph Curry, Richard Branson, and more on their next reading adventure. Literati delivers their monthly book picks straight to your door, so you can spend less time finding a good book and more time actually reading one. Whether you're enjoying beach reads with Ellen Hildebrand or exploring mythic realms with Joseph Campbell scholars, you'll find their brilliant insights on the Literati apps. Authors, leaders, and activists spark lively conversations in 12 different unique book clubs, which I think is so cool. It's really engaging a diverse community of readers from all around the world. That means you can literally talk about Steph Curry's favorite books with, you guessed it, Steph Curry, y'all. I'm part of the Atlas Obscura book club, which is like a wanderer's guide and a travel publication subscription. And y'all, I am loving it. It's so cool. They also host exclusive interviews with the authors themselves where you can ask your biggest questions and get the insider answers you won't find in any other book club. All book club members can shop the entire Literati library at serious discounts with many books over 50% off. You can move freely between clubs or use the standard membership to access everything and choose the books you want delivered. Reimagine what a book club can be. Redeem your free trial at literati.com slash sounds fun. Head to literati.com slash sounds fun to learn more and read more with Literati. L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I dot com slash sounds fun. And now back to our conversation with Heather. Okay, so you've written six other books. This is your seventh. Everyone has is going to get all seven of them by the end of this. But today, we're particularly talking about It's Not Your Turn, which was my literal honor that you have asked me to write the foreword. I could not believe it. And so I got to read this a while ago, and it is so good, Heather. It's just so good. Why this book? Why did you write It's Not Your Turn? Because I know what it feels like to feel like it's not your turn. Um, so I was trying to get a job in higher education, academia, and I had been adjuncting for like five different institutions. Everybody knows adjunct pay. You're not making any money. I'm standing in front of my students pretending to be super successful or being perceived that way. And inside, I am so poor, so poor that my sister was leaving diapers, boxes of diapers on my doorstep and then pretending it wasn't her. And I had just felt like, God, I, I didn't even take a summer off. I went to college from 2005 when I graduated high school up until I finished my PhD in 2018. I never took a summer off. Oh my gosh, you never took a summer off? No, I always did like 21 credits a semester. And it just felt like I'm supposed to have a job right now. And here I am struggling. And at this exact same time, one of my best friends since third grade calls me and she's like, Heather, you're not going to believe it. And I'm like, what? She's like, I just got hired at NASA. And I was like, oh, (laughs) I am so happy for you. And I choked. I was happy for her, but I was also incredibly sad for myself. And I felt like the Holy Spirit whispered in my ear, Heather, it's not your turn, but it's hers. And so clap for her and support her and show up for her. The entire premise of the book is that who we are when it's not our turn is actually more important than who we will be when it is. And how do we live life in the desert that you talked about? How do I show up faithfully here? My only hesitation was, I don't want to be the single girl on the cover of this book. But then when I read it, I thought, we're always waiting. It's always not my turn. There's a lot of things that it's not my turn yet. That's one of the things. But when I read the book, I thought, 
Oh my gosh, every single person in the world, if we could pass a microphone around to every person listening to this and said, tell me what it's not your turn yet for. Everybody has an answer, Heather. Absolutely. It never goes away. Yeah. And you, so you're, you're sitting and you're praying and you're praying and you're circling and nothing seems to budge. And so God, where are you? I know that feeling. And so I just came to this place where it's like, I'm going to show up anyway. I'm just going to live my life as if it's my turn, even when it's not. I'm thinking about my friends who are listening, who are like in the bed and can't get out because it has been so long, not their turn. And Heather, there are some of us, well, all of us will die wishing that something had happened that doesn't happen. How do we get out of bed today? How do we get up into our life, even though it has been so long, not our turn? I think by suspending our judgment. And that's something I have to do all the time is to say, for today, I'm going to suspend my judgment on who God is and what he's not doing. And I'm just going to show up. So it's not suspending judgment on ourselves. It is suspending judgment on God. On ourselves too. I talk about this in the book on deleting the time clock. Yeah. Right. And and what if what we're waiting for is, I'm going to use this example of my friend who had never even, maybe she'd gone on a date, but she definitely had never had a boyfriend. And we were praying for close to 10 years for her to meet somebody. And the person that she is, which just so happened to be at the time this book comes out, she's been in a relationship with this person now for a year. They found love in COVID pandemic. The person that she's with, I think she would agree with me, was worth waiting for. It's not even just like a normal relationship. This is like an incredible, she's black, he's white. He's reading a book right now about raising biracial children. Like how many men, before you're even engaged, buy a book about how to raise biracial children? He's just really, really, really special. And she would tell you it was worth waiting for that. But she would have never said that probably in year one or year two or year three or year four or year five or 10. Yes. I don't know. How do we live in that tension? And I guess that's what we talk about. And maybe it's okay to live in the tension. I think that's got to be the secret sauce is that we don't actually have to get rid of the tension. How do we show up focusing on what we do have? Yeah, you've written a right book of a version of a book I've never been able to write in my head about waiting well. Because we're never going to stop waiting and we're never going to start stop wanting. We just have to learn how to want really well and wait really well. It's just never going to go away. But you, so you wrote the book that I could never write. Well, you wrote a really great foreword. <laughs> yeah, I, I put, a, I put 200 words in. <laughs> but I mean, a solid, well-crafted I, th- That was all words. I could do on this topic. <laughs> so the Lord knew, the Lord knew. <laughs> it was beautiful. And yeah, I think a lot of people are going to relate to it. Let's talk about professionally when it when it's not your turn yet. There are people, there are women listening who want to be teaching on Sunday mornings. There are men listening who want to move up in a company. There are families listening who are wishing that they lived in a different city who want to work for NASA, who keep getting rejected as an astronaut. What do we do when it's professional, when it's not personal and relational? I think that's the part that I relate to the most is the professional because that's I'm an Enneagram three. And so I'm always striving professionally. I'm trying to work on that because of you and your podcast. I have become <laughs> so much sorry. more healthy, truly. Oh, good. Um, I think what we do is we show up with what we have. So Martin Luther King has this fantastic quote that is life-changing. And he, I think he was doing a senior graduation when he did this talk, but he says, if you're a street sweeper, you show up and you sweep those streets so intentionally and beautifully and joyfully that all of heaven has to pause and say, oh my God, look at this street sweeper. 
And I know that that sounds romantic, but I started trying to just live that way. I had this moment. I was, my book had been rejected. This same book had been rejected for like the eighth time. No. And I'm sitting, yeah, I'm sitting, I used to go to the Christian bookstore and just look at all the different Christian publishers and say, "Mm, I was rejected by this one and this one and this one. Oh, I remember what they said. And I was sitting at lunch with my friend, Tassiana, and she said, she's like, Heather, stop thinking that your life is going to start when you get to this metaphorical there. Life starts here. And I just remember I felt, I got goosebumps when she said, I felt like it was God speaking to me. I walk across my campus. I'm about to teach a class. To f- I had a full-time job at least at this point. I'm teaching a class to about five students after lunch who all their heads are down. They don't want to be there. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to teach this class as if this is the most important thing I'm ever going to do with my entire life. I'm going to teach this class in a way that hopefully all of heaven stops and says, wow, watch Heather teach this class. And I did. And afterwards, this student came to my office and she said, I just want to thank you because I don't even remember what I said, but something I had said, she said, was the answer to a prayer she'd been praying for all year about what to do after graduation. And I just remember taking this moment in my office and saying, what if I had just phoned that in? as I have done in the past. What if I had seen them? They weren't really into it. They didn't want to be there and said, you know, I'm just going to do the bare minimum, finish the class and let them go. Yeah. I just think our anointing begins the day we believe we have one. And Joseph is no less anointed in the pit than in the palace. Yes, that's right. His anointing doesn't change. That's right. His circumstances change. His anointing never did. And so how do we believe that God has called us to this, whatever this is? And how do we serve faithfully here? I think the story of Joseph is one of the more interesting ones to me in the Bible. If for nothing else, that one spot where he is left in the jail and the cupbearer says, I'm going to go back and tell the king to let you, or tell the, the pharaoh to let you out. And he forgets for two years. And you just go like, how many days did Joseph sit down there and think, today, today he'll remember. I'm going to be out in 20 minutes. But here's what's beautiful, Annie, about the story of Joseph that I really like. His brothers mock him his whole life, calling him the dreamer. They literally say, here comes the dreamer. You're going to dream one of those dreams. Here he comes. And here he is in prison. And someone says, I had a dream. And he says, oh, this is me. Yeah. The very point of his pain is the thing he continually brings to God. And that just blows my mind. I love that about the yeah, story. I love it too. I mean, I just, and I feel like we see in him over and over again that he, he never let go of his calling. Right. Right. No matter what's happening. Okay. So talk to the women who aren't getting to lead where they want to lead. Oh man, I know that story. I just personally, I'm going to ruffle feathers right now. Let me say this. You guys can find me on Twitter and at me, but I won't read your DMs. (laughs) The calling from God is higher than the calling of man. And so you go where God calls you, period. And that's all I'll say. Okay. You sure? The calling of God is quite high. And I would place it above the calling of man. And I have in my own life. Yeah. Where does someone get the first step on hearing what God's called them to if it does not match what they were told their life could look like? Yeah, I think we have to remember that a calling comes from outside. Literally, a calling is confirmed by people on the outside. I would be weary if you are never confirmed by anybody around you, right? Maybe then this is this is not for you. I, I just believe that God, if you say, God, please affirm this calling, he will send somebody to do so. And I, I can say that at least in my life, he has done that. 
with various things. So pay attention to the people who love you and know you most. What are they saying to you? Yeah, yeah. At another Q&A, someone asked, what if I want to do something or stop something? I can't remember if it was start or stop that everyone in my life is telling me not to do. Or she said, have you ever been in a situation where you wanted, where you stopped something that everyone else told? And I was like, no, because if my whole community, if they're wise on everything else, except this one thing, that math doesn't work. Like that math doesn't work. So how do you find those people around you? How have you found, Heather, the people around you that said, hey, keep publishing, keep going, don't give up. It's, you know, how'd you find those friends that you trust not only will tell you the encouraging thing, but the true thing? On this one, I think this is my own privilege and I'm really lucky. I don't have tons of friends, but I do have a handful of really quality human beings who I trust as if, again, God is speaking to me himself. My parents, I trust my parents with everything. I tr- I ha- my husband, I trust him. If my husband says, I don't think you should do this, that is, and, and I'm an egalitarian, I yeah. still will stop <laughs> and say, oh, because I respect him and he knows me and I know he knows God, I hear his counsel. I respect it. I have a handful of best friends as well. So I would say, and, and how else do you survive, Annie? How do you survive people sending things to your husband's church? Or how do you survive people sending things to your work if you don't have that? I don't That's think right. you do. I don't think you do either. I really you don't. You have to have the community even if it's two people, three, you got to have somebody that you know this person has my back or else you can't survive all the other stuff. Part of me wants us to say, chase the community before you chase the calling. Yes. Right? That is good. Because if you chase the calling first, but you're alone, you will get picked off by the wolves. Okay, I'm obsessed with Taylor Swift. I have a deep, it is, I mean, this runs deep. Let's go. My Taylor Swift thing. Okay, I am a huge Swifty. And she says that in her documentary that she stands up. I think it's the second time she won album of the year. And she looked around and she said, I don't have anybody with me in this. And she said, I've got to do my career differently. I don't ever want to stand on this stage and accept something I've worked for with nobody to share it with. And I I got goosebumps as I watched her talk about that because I understand that drive to be successful in whatever sphere you're in and then to forget that the important thing, COVID really gave that back to me. Really? I I would say before COVID, if I got a speaking engagement, I took it because my brain always said, this could be the one. This could be the one that makes it your turn. And now I, I think my primary focus now is just to be a mom to my kids. Really? And I, and I trust that like God is bigger than any singular speaking engagement. If he has something for me, I'll get there. If, but I've got to be faithful in, with what I have. And right now that's, I have three little kids. How little? My daughter is nine. My son is eight. And then I have a baby who's not a baby anymore. He's five. And so I just don't, I can't go all over anymore. I have to be, I chose to have children and I need to steward that. And I need to be faithful to that. I, I mean, I also think seasonally, there was a time where we said yes to every speaking event because that was my season. Like that was kind of like this. I know my call right now. And my call is to go and teach anywhere that'll have me. And so it was, unless the Holy Spirit gave us a hard stamp, no, but that's not my season anymore. And so I have to trust that it's not my turn. Like I'm in a, in a different way. I'm not waiting for it to be my turn. It was my turn and it's not my turn anymore. And you know what happens that's really beautiful when you say no is you get to recommend somebody else. That's exactly right. I have found that to be a really fulfilling thing to say, oh, but I can't go. But can I tell you somebody who I think is really good that you would really love? I I just think that that's important to create turns for other people. 
Yes, I just met Jamie Kern Lima. She was one of the live interviews. Do you know her? She's the one who used, who founded It Cosmetics. Okay, yes, yes, yes. And one of the things she says is, I never go into a room where I don't take another woman with me because I got the invitation and I can give her an opportunity. Wow. Right? I want to live that way. Me too. But I feel like you do. You do live that way. I know because I'm sitting here because of you. You live that way. And I just deeply want to be that person. And I think that that's, these are, God's going to honor that. I know. I just watched her. I was like amazed. And I could do it so much better and so much more often. But, I, but and watching her, I'm inspired to do that, to go like, man, we can take people with us anyway. And like, I, we always get a plus one. You know, like when you go to a conference, you get a plus one. When I go to a conference, I get a plus one. We can always take a person with us who wants to experience that world. When you get to where you're going, go back for people who are still where you came from. Yes. I think women really understand that. I know minorities really feel that burden. Like you always go back and you say, how can I create turns for other people? And you're both of those things, right? You're a woman and a minority. Do you feel that more profoundly than you think uh, I do as a white person? I definitely have a very heavy sense of the privileges I have been given and how can I make sure that I stop for people who haven't. I'm going to say, and it's not even just that, like me having two parents, I really fully see is a huge advantage. I start the race way farther ahead of everybody else. I know that because I, I'm a professor to students who don't have that. And I see how difficult it is to overcome. And so I think whatever we all have privilege in various spaces. And how do we, how do we pause and say, let me go back. And how do I give God what hurts? Where did I feel failed in my life? For me, that was also mentorship. I never had a mentor until now into adulthood. But definitely as a young person, nobody ever stopped for me except for my parents. And so I'm just really conscious of that as a professor. I want to give students what I didn't have. I want to stop. And if you sit in my office, I want to treat you as if you're the most important thing I will do with my life. If all of heaven is stopping and watching. All of day. heaven is stopping and watching me talk to you. And I've seen it bear so much fruit. And you know what? I think in those spaces, even when it felt like it wasn't my turn, when I stopped for other people, it just it, there's like this fulfillment that you just can't describe. That's right. Because what God's actually going to ask us about in the future is not how many books we sold. <laughs> That's not on the top of his how'd Annie do down there question list. It is how do how is your staff when they don't work for you anymore? Who have they become? And how do your friends feel treated and how the people you love feel treated? I mean, like, did I love is the question, not did I make money? And we have it so backwards. And I just talked about this recently because it's like I was just reading Isaiah. I'm in Isaiah right now. And I think in Isaiah 20, it talks about how God tells Isaiah to walk barefoot and naked for three years as a symbol against Egypt. And I was just like, huh, <laughs> to be used by God in my mind, right, is so much different than Isaiah's commitment to be used by God. And so maybe our, our ministries are bootstrapped and we just feel like nobody gets what I'm doing, but I'm sure Isaiah felt like that. And that's actually the call that he gives them. And now back to finish our conversation with Heather. 
you said you read the Bible every year front to back. I do. Do you go by a plan? Do you have like a one-year Bible that you read or do you have a plan? How do you do it? So I read this quote by J.I. Packer that said, any Christian with his, and I've added her, his or her salt will read the Bible cover to cover every single year. And I just remember, I think I was in, I was working at a summer camp at the time I read that. I was probably 19 years old. And I just realized I'm a Christian and I've never read the Bible. I've read it, but I had never read it all the way through. And I just said, that's kind of weird to ascribe my life to something I don't even fully read every page of, right? Yeah. So I, every year I read the Bible, I read five chapters a day and I finish every nine months. So I just, I just read it from Genesis to Revelation. I do five chapters a day. It takes me about 25, 30 minutes. It's actually not even time consuming. And here's what I love about it. A lot of people stop, people get excited to read the Bible in Genesis and then they hit like, Leviticus, and they're like, okay, I'm done with this. Bye. Right? And yeah. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, Felicia. No more. But I feel like if I'm only in Leviticus for a week. Okay. Yeah. Because probably. I read five chapters a day. You can do anything for, you can survive Leviticus for a week. I mean, honestly, if we want to be real straight up with people, you can survive Leviticus for a month. You can actually do anything. So <laughs> you can. You're tougher than you know when it comes to being bored and you're reading. And so. here's what this is the Bible's actually a hill I'll die on. I know the Bible changed my life. I I have no doubt. And I I read Rachel Held Evans inspired and it did it like just opened my eyes to a different way to see scripture. But it did. It just showed me that even progressive conservative, it doesn't matter. The Bible is inspired and you want to connect to that power, period. How many times do you think you've read the whole thing? Oh, I'm on my 11th time through and I keep track because numbers matter to me. (laughs) My girl, listen. (laughs) Let's talk about it. Okay. I I will give you the full confession. I'm on my first time through. Are you right now? And I've been a Christian for 35 years. I can tell you the day, May 8th of 1985. I've been a Christian for 35 years. And this is the first time I've ever read it front to back and have not quit. I've tried. Oh, all the times I've tried. And And I've studied it forever. It's been a part of my life forever. But there is something different about reading. And I'm like, here we go. This is, this is my new pattern. This is a new thing I do. And I'm loving it. What it has given me a is obviously like the notes that I make as I go, just, it just reminds me of the prayers that when I go back through the next time, I'm like, Oh, this wasn't even that long ago that I was feeling this, but I'm telling you people hear me when I say this, the symbolism in scripture will blow your mind. And it's a, it was available to just me. Like I didn't need an evangelist to teach it to me. I didn't need to watch YouTube videos. I didn't need my dad, who's a pastor, to explain it to me. As I read it, the spirit started working with me. And each time through, I've noticed, it's crazy how I still notice new, like just now, this on my 11th time through, I notice Isaiah walks barefoot for three years and naked. Literally with his butt showing, it says with his buttocks out three years. I mean, what a call from God. And that really humbled me to sit in that with God for a while and to just say, man, I've got to move these goalposts and I have to be a healthy Enneagram three and let Jesus be my number one focus. Yeah. I, last year in 2020, I read the gospels every month. So I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John three chapters a day, uh, 12 times. Yes. And had a very similar experience to what you're saying of like every month there were things I was like, how did I not see this? I've read these words nine times. It's why I'm reading the whole Bible this year is because of the experience I had in four books last year made me, made me ravenous for 66. And it's only like 15% of Christians who read the Bible daily. 
there's over, I talk about this in the book, there's over 3,000 promises available to us in scripture, but our brain can't respond with things we haven't read. Yes, that's right. Like I said, I'm okay being a creepy Christian. I will say out loud in my house, do not fear for God is with you, right? Like I will claim scripture over my space. I will walk around my block saying scripture and it, it I don't know what it is. Well, I do know because I read a lot of neuroscience. It literally changes your brain. 100%. Your brain can't distinguish the difference between fact or fantasy. So once you say it, it's as real as the ground you're sitting on. So what do we say to our brains? For me, for a long time, I was always focusing on these negative, self-destructive thoughts. And even if I'm being dramatic, my brain can't perceive that. Yes, It becomes yes. as real as the ground I'm standing on. So now I'm not saying to be a creepy Christian where the house is burning down and you're like, it's fine. God's good. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm saying... We acknowledge this isn't good right now. For me, it's student loans. I think about student loan debt all the time because I have a PhD, right? So I always say, I am never going to pay these student loans off. And I had to stop and I had to say, I can't pay them off yet, right? And then I'm going to respond with some promises of God over my student loan debt. Joseph Robinette Biden, if you're listening, please help a sister out. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> we struggling out here. We, we struggling. struggling. <laughs> I heard, I think it was Matt Chandler a couple of weeks ago say that one of the things it says in Revelation is that we worship in the face of our enemy. That like we are literally singing in his face. And so that has changed my like, oh yeah, when I'm like singing in my house, when I am speaking scripture in my house, I'm like, it isn't to a neutral piece of land. It is like, I'm going after something and I have to protect my own heart. Living alone, my brain can spin out, Heather, and believe everything that isn't true. And I'll be crying and saying stuff that isn't true because I've spun out by myself. And that's when I go like, no, Annie. I mean, I had to do it last night. I got up off of the couch. I was like, Annie, do not fear. You have nothing to be afraid of. You have nothing to be afraid. Of. I mean, I just have to like do that. And that's how we change our brains. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, not around, no helicopter over, we going through. Right, right. Right, but thou art with me. What do we say to ourselves? What's the, what's a mantra we can say to ourselves when it's not our turn? That was the mantra for me is it's not your turn. And that was enough. I think something about that still gave me hope that a turn would come. Uh-huh. Right, that this wasn't the final destination. And that's why I started saying it every time I got a rejection or every time I felt like somebody else got what I should. You know how, have you ever prayed those prayers where it's like, it feels like everybody around you is getting the answer to the prayer you're praying. And you're like, that's the wrong address. Right. Or, like, right. I, <laughs> right. There's a mistake here. Right. It, in, I, I didn't notice this until my last time through scripture. Abraham is praying to have a child. And at this exact same time, it says in Genesis, 318 servants are born in his own house. So here he is praying for a single child and 318 people are born all around him. And I'm sure he feels like, are you serious? Right, right. And did you promise me this or what? And here's 318 other people. And do you know that that's what helps? That's why scripture to me is so helpful because it's like, I'm not, this doesn't mean I'm doing anything wrong. You're not broken. And it doesn't mean that you've lost favor. And it doesn't mean that he doesn't see you. Like lit Moses, we're talking 80 years. How long does it take for hope to die? Year one, year two, year three? At year 70, do you think Moses is still like, yes, I've got a call on my life? Right. You know what I mean? It's like, we are alone. And what if it's okay? And how do we just be faithful in the desert? 
how do we hit the podcast button on when there's five people listening? And I really think God needs a generation who's willing to hit the podcast button on for five people. We don't deserve 5,000 if you won't show up for five. And so let's do the work. That's right. You won't get the 5,000 if you don't show up for the five. I mean, it's a promise in scripture that you and I are telling people to get into. The promise in scripture is he will trust you with a lot once he trusts you with a little. There's this verse. It's so good. It's like, if he, wait, if you can't run with men on foot, how can you run with horses? And so we got to start just running this race. Just running, just running. How many of our friends can list 318 couples they know have gotten engaged <laughs> and they haven't gotten engaged? <laughs> yes. Right. I mean, that's it. And you just go like, in your own house, you may see over and over, uh, everybody else get the answer that you wanted. They aren't getting your person. They aren't getting your job. They aren't getting your child, but they're getting your answer. And you go, okay, it hurts. You're allowed to say it hurts. And then you go, not my turn. Okay, not my turn. Let's celebrate. Let's throw baby showers for all 318 of those people. And it's painful. But I also, I'm just, and again, this is me being the optimist. I know some people will say that's prosperity gospel. I know, right, that sometimes we never get the prayer we're looking for. I get that. But I don't see the, I don't see how living with hope is ever a bad thing. And so until I die and this hasn't happened, I'm just going to live my life as if it could. And I need that. For me, I need it. Mm -hmm. I have people that will criticize me and are like, yeah, but not not everyone's going to get that. I know that. But why? (laughs) But we don't. How do you know that that's your story until you've lived it all out? And so I would rather just live with hope. And I, that's just who I am. That's true to who I am. If my friends, I will tell you, girl, I'll see it for you then. And I'll pray it when you can't pray it anymore. I think that there's so much beauty in living life that way. I mean, I jokingly say all the time, if, when I get to heaven, if I haven't gotten everything I want, which I won't, I want to get up there and be like, Hey, I hope to the end. That's on you. (laughs) That's not on me. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So, and that's the point, right? How do we just live with integrity? Because that's something we choose daily for ourselves. And I just want to live a life of integrity. And I want that for the people around me. Because in that process, would you agree with this? Something changes inside. Oh, I mean, I've tried to live hopelessly and just go forget it. I don't want the (laughs) things I don't have. and I don't even want it anymore. I don't even want it. Yeah, and that killed me. It actually changed my personality. It actually changed other people's experience of me for me to choose the easier, what I thought was the easier path without hope. But what it actually did is it dimmed my light to not be hopeful. It hurts more to be hopeful, but it makes me brighter and truer and more, I mean, integrity is the right right word. It makes me more fully who I am and truthful and more authentic to be full of hope, even when it hurts. I think for me, and this might, everybody's personality is different. So I don't want to say everybody has to live this way. For me, I have found when I say I don't even care anymore or whatever, it's actually me trying to protect God from hurting me. I don't know how to be honest and say I do care because then if he doesn't do it, then it feels like, well, you then you don't care about me. And then it's personal between me and God. And then it's personal. That's right. And so dude. it's just better for me to say, hey, it's not my turn right now. And we'll see what happens tomorrow. That's so much of what I wrote in Remember God is I was like, I'm not sure you're kind. And this is terrifying to come up against the only relationship that I thought was all the way trustworthy and wonder if it's actually trustworthy. Wow. Right? Because at some point it got to like, hey, now it's you and me. Now, (laughs) now my problem with people down here, now my problem's with what you're doing. And that's 
scary. Stephen Furtick has this great quote. He says, trust is God's love language. And I've never forgotten that. And I, even in the season I'm in right now, I I'm just having to trust that. What does scripture say? He who designed the eye sees and he who designed the ear hears. And I have to trust that even when I don't feel it, it doesn't matter if I feel it. What do I know to be true? And what God doesn't make new here, he will make new there. Everyone's in love with you now because you you dropped Beth Moore, Rachel Held Evans, and Stephen Furtick. So you're just like everybody. You're Miss Congeniality. You're everybody's everybody. I do listen to a wide array of different voices. I absolutely love it. We have really done a thing here today. I could do this with you for nine more hours, but okay. you have a day and I do too. Well, no, I've got time, Annie. Do you want to? Yeah, let's just keep going. Let's talk about more numbers. No, the thing we need to do is get around the table so we can be like, here's what those numbers are meaning. Cause that's what blows in time. We always get to tell those stories, but I'd tell you in the middle when I, I would tell you in the middle, is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to make sure we cover about the book or about what you're working on? If it's not your turn, it's not always your fault. And I just want to add that. I think I might've said it earlier, but it's important. We'll go back to Joseph. Joseph is in a pit, not because of his own sin, because of the sin of other people. T.D. Jakes says, you can be delivered from sin, but that doesn't protect you from other people sinning against you. And so sometimes it's not your turn and it's not your fault. And I also want to say there is a responsibility to co-labor with Christ. And that looks like turn creating for other people. Heather, I, I could not be a louder cheerleader for you. I mean, I've got, an, I've got the outfit. I've got the pom-poms. I am leading the parade of making sure the world knows what a gift you are. So I'm so thankful you made time for this today. Thank you so much. What an honor. Girl, of course. The honor is mine. Really, really. Um, the last question we always ask, because the show is called That Sounds Fun. Tell me what sounds fun to you. You know, I'm the type of person, you know, I grew up, sitting on the porch with my grandma. And so what's fun for me is sitting on a porch or on the deck and watching people go by, but sitting there with my family. That is, to me, that's what heaven is. Heaven is going to be the filling of every room where we can just sit on that porch and watch the people go by and wave at our neighbors, but have like the best time with our people right there in our room. That's, that is my idea of a good time. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Me too. Front porch in the summer. Front porch, right? There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. A rocking chair with a cushion. Don't give me a rocking chair without a cushion. I will not last. I'm 40. Can't. Can't do it. But give me a rocking chair with a cushion. All right, Heather, you're the best. Thank you for doing this. Thank you so much. Oh, you guys, isn't she just the best? Oh, I love her so much. I love her writing. I love her tweets. I just adore her altogether. Be sure to grab a copy of her new book, It's Not Your Turn, available now. Give her a follow if you're not following her already so you can tell her thanks for being on the show. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That's how you can find me. And I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you. I will do the same. Have a great week. And we'll see you back here on Friday with our final show of Enneagram Summer 2021, our Enneagram 7s.